You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nod of the Scribe. Also, make sure you check out Locked On NBA on Thursdays. The podcast has Jackson Gatlin and Matt Moore. They've got game recaps and analysis of the biggest NBA headlines. You can follow Locked On NBA's podcast today wherever you get your podcast. In the second segment, we've got more Rank Radio. Now, what has been good about the NBA season running so closely together is that there hasn't been a ton of off time for us to truly milk the content machine a little bit uh, to to the degree that we were doing so in previous seasons. Like, I feel (laughs) like it's, it's crazy that the NBA season is actually still just around the corner. Now it yeah. means that we're working more so daily in the off season rather than, you know, previous seasons where we might have three months of three, uh, a week podcast, something like that. Um, but it is also nice that the content continues to flow in, but now it is our July. It is the sport radio July season for us because draft is over. Free agency is over. We just got the media availability for Terry Rozier. We're going to dive into his comments for in just a moment. But the thing is, is we actually have to go back to the rank radio days, Nada, and we're going to do that for the second straight time, despite hey, us going to three a day, uh, three weeks. What what do people want from us? Do they want original content? We can't come up with original content when there's no content to vibe off of. I, I'm I'm halfway kidding here because we do have some cool stuff that we're gonna do. We're gonna bring back the honeycomb heroes. We're gonna bring back a whole bunch of the other stuff. But you know, but the seat out of this where we get, I have to stop you again. I you, know you I do know, this. Promise. You do yeah, this. Yeah, I, I need to reel you back in yes. because we can't be the empty promise podcast. We can't do that anymore. We have to get we're rid of that identity. We're absolutely doing honeycomb heroes at some point <laughs> next week. That you better come up. Hey, I, I expect a full breakdown. In fact, I expect. A whole painting. You need to work on it right now. We're going to go there. We're going to film a Locked On podcast episode. And then I want to see a mural of your honeycomb heroes. And in every cell, we're going to go with this specific hero, that specific hero. If you want to promise it, I want this big promise to make up for all the other empty promises that we've had earlier uh, in this podcast history. So, so you want me to do a little painting? You you, you want me to do a nice mural? Do I look yes, like I do. Picasso to that. you, sir? Do you want uh, a little I, soft shoe, too? Do you want a little yeah. soft shoe? Yeah, yes, 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 sir. I, I shall paint your mural. <laughs> no, no, don't you do that to me. <laughs> don't. We, that is an excellent way to get me off of that subject. That exactly. was exactly. I mean, it's thank an awful welcome. card and an excellent card at the same time. No, thank you. I want ze- I, I want I want zero parts of what you just did, and I immediately back off. I apologize for asking you and demanding you to paint a mural. Exactly. Let's go to the How dare you demand? <laughs> Let's go to the, let's go. I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Let's go to the Terry Rozier comments after what he said yesterday. Uh, So Terry was made available to the media after the contract extension was made official. And it was basically Terry one. He's happy that he's getting $97 million who would not be excited to make that much money. But he also said just how much he enjoyed 
the city of Charlotte, how much he enjoys the people here. He said, quote, I didn't really expect people to be super hyped about it, but I knew about my style of play, the way I play. I was going to turn a lot of heads. I'm just fortunate to be in the position I am now, and I'm just glad that the fans can appreciate all of us as a whole, and we're looking forward to this season. He said, I really do feel like I found a home. I love the city of Charlotte. I love the organization. Great teammates, great locker room. That's so big to me. Just great guys in the locker room. That's being helpful. When I first accepted my deal two years ago, I didn't really know what to expect. Kimba was here, so that's not just easy, parting ways with a guy like that. He's an all-star. He's a superstar in this league. And so he talks about trying to fill the shoes, even though I, th- I, th- I do think the fan base, Nada, and tell me if you agree with this, did a pretty good job of not holding Terry to the Kimba expectations because you you think you think we did that because I think most people embrace Terry pretty right away like the like the signing that was questioned right right away right away no but like I think if I'm honest at least I know for myself I didn't I didn't embrace Terry until probably like midway of of the first season here because unfortunately Kemba being the like replacing the greatest player in franchise history is going to cause a lot of stuff where you're just like that's a lot of that's a lot of shoes to fill that's a big shadow to that that Kemba casts here so I'm not sure that I embraced him maybe others did I do remember it being semi split on what people were willing to embrace, who and what people were willing to embrace. So I get that to an extent. I do, like, I don't know. There's, a, there's I guess I just didn't think of the backlash because it yeah. that, that narrative is easy to run away with if you want to. Yeah. Kimball Walker was here. He's the guy that is the man of this Charlotte Hornets basketball team. He's out. You're actually directly trading him in exchange for Terry Rozier with the sign and trade acquisition that Terry was brought here by. And Terry is also a backcourt player. So you can make those comparisons if you want to. And so may- maybe right away is a, is a little strong because it took him a while to get that shot going. Remember, actually, when he came back post all-star break, that's when the numbers started to look really good his first season. And so maybe right away was a little strong. I just my point being, I don't think people as a whole, I don't think the majority were unfair to Terry by comparing him so much to Kimba. I think they were mad that Kimba left. Yeah. And, and I guess with the majority, I don't feel like that was hurled at Terry in an unfair way. I think most people were like, all right, we'll see what this guy can do. And we don't think he's Kimba. We're not going to hold him uh, to that light. And, and you know what? You're right. But the big thing is I would... My big thing for a guy like Terry was that he embraced the city in a way that I don't think he ever embraced Boston. And I mean, when we think about... And that goes down to the people and the guys in the locker room, which he said was a big deal. Which was a big deal. I do believe that. I do believe that also, like, when we start thinking about Terry in the city, I think about last year during the pandemic and how many times you remember whenever there was a protest or something like that. I remember two athletes specifically being out there in the streets on this one. One was Shaq Thompson, uh, linebacker for the Panthers. The other was Terry Rozier. Like, Rozier was out there in the midst of COVID, having no business being out there. And what was he doing? He was marching with the people, man. Like, that dude, dude, like, loves, loves, loves this city. And that's something, like, 
and we'll get into this later down the line on, on this discussion, but I keep going back to it. The people aspect of this stuff matters a lot, man. It matters a whole lot more than people think. Yeah, uh, that is the theme of your free agency. That is the theme of one nada when it comes to making these decisions. I do value it, right? Like, and we we can we can look at Terry, and that is valuable. It is easy for the fans to gravitate towards that. And I will say, like, uh, who are the other players? Nick Batum was out there. Nick Batum was um, out there, and Jay. I think Jalen McDaniels was out yeah. there with uh, a Nick Batum and a Terry Rozier, along with Shaq Thompson, a couple of other Carolina Panthers players. But um, Terry Rozier really likes the city. And look, it's easy to when you are embraced, and clearly he was embraced as evidenced by what he did the second season here in Charlotte. When he was given the contract extension, majority of the opinions were overwhelmingly so, yeah, this is this is a good deal. Um, you know, you look at Terry Rogier saying, you know, I, I think it's going to be great. He loves the offseason additions that they made. So he's excited about that. Um, I don't think there was anything crazy, you know, to take away. It basically was just how happy Terry is, how happy he is about the direction this Hornets franchise is taking. He's excited about Ubre Ish Smith talks about how hard it is to guard him. Mason Plumley being a good passer from the five spot. So, you know, he's just excited about all of that. And I think it was just basically a big old kumbaya fest, which is totally fine. I didn't expect anything else when you have these contract extension media availabilities. I mean, that's kind of what you get. Yeah, um, but you there, know, we, there's... We kind of got one with Robbie Anderson a little too. We did, but here's the thing. There's like sell this whole thing and then there's the, the relief of knowing he doesn't... He knows he's not really going anywhere for a little bit. Like knowing that and having that security and... I think there was the re- there was a lot of relief when I watched that that press conference. Like he was relieved, he was happy. He was like, "Look, I don't have to worry about this contract. I don't have to negotiate another contract in a pandemic." There's a lot of relief on that man's face, and I completely understand. And honestly, like when you think about the intangibles, and we can talk talk about it on the other side of the break. Literally, this dude brings a lot of them, and. I want to put him in that Marvin Williams leadership territory. The only thing is we don't have the quotes that back it up from other players just yet, but I'm pretty sure that that it's there. The Marvin Williams, Terry Tory, if you will, you talked about (laughs) his, you talked about the relief on his face. What about the relief you experienced with sweat block to stop your perspiration? Not my God. Sweat block is such a beautiful thing. Sweat again. I want to thank sweat block for being the MVPs for late August, because with these 90 degree temperatures, sweat is not something I like to talk about. It is a very uncomfortable subject. There are very few things there. are Like, again, I would much rather talk about anything else other than sweat. And I've had a problem with it for quite a while, but Thank God for the MVPs of this summer, Sweat Block Antiperspirant Wipes. Sweat Block is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed, and the next morning you wake up, you wash yourself off, and you go about your day without worrying about sweat, guaranteed. It sounds too good to be true. I understand that, but I've gotten their product. Again, I bought their products, and then they sent me some more. I'm telling you. You just don't have to worry about pitting out. I'm not worrying about the sweat. I'm not worrying about picking my shirts based on the color because I'm worried it's going to sweat through. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. So go get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or at Amazon or at CVS. Trust me, 
Put your hands, again, put your perspiration issues in the hands of the summer MVP sweat block and thank me later. Lotions, deodorant. They also have the wipes. It's a great product. Again, go check out Sweat Block. All right, we've also got Rank Radio. We've got that segment again coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. We said it Monday. They lost to the Pips. They didn't lose to Gladys Knight. They lost to the right. Pips. They lost to the backup band. They lost to Steve. Now, granted, depending on the backup band, that this is still a impressive backup band. If it's like Stevie Wonder's backup band, then yeah, it's awesome. But if it's like say. Kings, of, <laughs> Kings of Leon backup band, totally different. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Did you know that Belt Bar has a ton of delicious flavors? We've told you that a million times. If you're still questioning me, I'm not sure why. You need to go check it out right now. They've got the staples like raspberry, cherry barcia, double chocolate, salted caramel, even the orange bar. So good. Wrapped in 100% chocolate, just like all the other bars. They're soft and they're easy to chew. It's like a candy bar after a workout. You're rewarding yourself with a sweet, but you don't have all of the sugar. You don't have all of the calories. And instead... You're getting a ton of the fiber and you're getting a ton of the protein that you need after a workout. Or if you're just hungry and want something to snack on, Built Bar is great for that as well. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off of your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15, and you can get 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Rank Radio, once again, baby, let's do it. The Athletic, David Aldridge, an OG NBA reporter, he came out with a top 10 list of all of the teams uh, with the 10 best offseason moves as a collective, right? So not just an individual of uh, the Hornets. They drafted James Booknight. That move is eighth on this list. It was what these teams did as an offseason, and they're ranking them 10 to 1. So Detroit comes in at 10. Utah comes in at 9. Miami comes in at 8. And then there are the Charlotte Hornets. They were 8th. Uh, with the category that we ranked them with the young pillars, 25 and under yesterday in the Bleacher Report piece here, they're seventh in David Aldridge's piece about the top 10 teams that made the best offseason moves. Here's what he has to write. This comes down to how much you like Booknight and Jones, and I like them a lot. That's James Booknight and Kai Jones, for those that don't know. Booknight, LaMelo Ball, and Terry Rozier could form a pretty dynamic guard trio. Booknight isn't a great shooter, but he can score. And Charlotte sent a protected and heavily uh, first and uh, heavily protected second to the Knicks to move up to go get Jones. The 20-year-old has stupid upside, not quite along the lines of the other Bahamian big man, DeAndre Ayton, but plenty of it. The mind reels at the potential rim-running extravaganzas he'll put off with Ball and transition. So he really likes the rookies, Mm -hmm. uh, Nada. You know, after the NBA draft, I think the Charlotte Hornets were among people's favorite teams as far as what they did. Listening to our own Chad Ford on this Locked On Podcast Network with the Chad Ford Big Board Pod. He loved what the Charlotte Hornets did. I think Raphael Barlow actually gave them like an A-plus in their grading podcast that they released uh, after the draft. I know Ryan Rossillo really liked what the Hornets did. I, I, I think Mike Schmitz, right? Like big names, small names that cover the NBA draft extensively or that just cover it, you know, with <laughs> with whatever kind of degree. They all loved what the Hornets did. David Aldridge, no different. Now, look, again, and it's coming from David Aldridge, like, who's seen basically the modern NBA uh, like before the modern NBA NBA in the 80 late late 80s up to now and it is one of the most humbling things to see when you have a guy like that that respects your 
offseason in the way. And he, he really loves what they did with the rookies, which should be shouldn't be a surprise, but at the same time, kinda is. Also, he kind of likes the Ubre move. He thinks that Ubre's could have a bounce back year. I am and the fact that he put them over the Miami Heat, where he says the Charlotte Hornets have a better offseason than the Miami Heat, and that's with the Miami Heat acquiring what is it? Up oh, Lowry. Lowry and then retaining retaining um Duncan, Duncan. Rob, Robinson. And despite all that, Hornets came out better. I, I really do like what like this is when you realize that hey, like you might I might be a little bit too negative on the Hornets, and I understand why I might be a little bit negative, and this team could really surprise people despite having the concerns that I still do about this team at the center position and depth-wise in terms of outside shooting. That being said, this kind of sets... This is one of those where it's like, I understand why people can get excited when you start seeing these lists, and we're doing rank radio, and I understand all that, but the fact that again national recognition like this team has got a brand it's got an identity and it's continually getting better like we didn't think we were going to be here three years in this is probably the best case scenario for what happened with everything and so far they've hit so it's kind of awesome yeah i mean and and in large part obviously thanks to Lamelo ball being such an impactful rookie his playing in his first season in the NBA. The last thing you mentioned, Ubre says, we all know Ubre isn't a dynamic shooter, but Hayward, Rogier, Washington, and Bridges all shot at least 39% on threes last season. How great does Ubre have to be? I, I think my argument there is, you know, that all of them aren't playing on the floor at the same time. You know, now now they some of them can, right? Like, Fair. you know, you're gonna have you're gonna have Rogier Hayward in the starting lineup. Miles Bridges is going to be in the starting lineup. You know, can Miles Bridges shoot 39% again, right? Like is this here to stay at that specific level? Or are you just are you just hoping that Miles Bridges stays at 36? And even then, you know, that's fine enough as long as he can continue the kind of volume scoring that he did last year at the end of the season. Uh, I mean, you'd love for Kelly Oubre to shoot better than what he did last season or just really in his career go, you know, pretty be pretty steady behind the line. But, yeah, he's going to be athletic. He's going to be fun in transition. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out like that's the kind of deal that if it doesn't work out, then you don't have to, you know, trade them yeah. and collect pennies on the dollar. Right. Like that's non-guaranteed contract the second year. You know, it, it's going to be a nice trade piece for you, too, if you want to move them and you're not going to lose any value like that. That's the kind of deal where I would have chosen a couple of different other players. But I also totally get where they're coming from because of the way that they didn't sign anybody early in free agency. He was looking for some decent sized money. Hornets had enough space to go mm -hmm. do it. And they negotiated in a way where it doesn't kill them cap wise down the line, even as soon as the year after this one. And so that's why I really like the the financial uh, the financial um, negotiations around that specific deal. And really, it's not going to hurt you going forward by any means. No, no, it's not going to hurt you at all. I think if anything, it helps help. It helps you. And I know uh, Spencer Percy over at BuzzBeat has said that there's enough non-guaranteed contracts between Ubre and Plumley to where if the Hornets want to make an upgrade, they really kind of can. And they're going to offer something that's more valuable than anything else, clearly, cap space. 
So the the this roster, especially this year, is built with a parachute to where if this goes sideways, they can hit eject and say, "Hey, we're going to start. We're still going to be in asset collection mode and still somewhat be underneath the cap." That kind of matters. And if they want to say, "Hey, we've gone this far with this roster, we and we have to do something to grow this roster even further." You have two guys that are going to produce at a decent level for non-guaranteed contracts to where you can say, hey, look, we have this. Give us give us your overpaid veteran. That'll fit perfectly right here. Like there's a lot of this where to, to quote a Twitter account, they won't, they're not gonna, the Hornets will not be out here learning TikTok dances and falling off milk crates at the end of the season. So I, I, I will just put it that way. And I, I really do feel good about this offseason, despite the fact that I'm we're both kind of I wouldn't say negative, but we're kind of at this point, we're kind of cautiously optimistic about how the season will go. Yeah, I mean, I just look, I didn't expect it. Like we, we know what I think about the offseason. Uh, I think Terry Rogier locking him in was questionable. <laughs> I think looking at the, the Devonte Graham move, I think looking at the, the trades, like, you know, I, I got where they were coming from on that, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes for the Charlotte Hornets. I want to talk about some of the other teams on the other side of the break that rank ahead of the Hornets and see if you think David Aldridge put them in the right spot. We'll come back. We'll also talk about the Rachel Nichols thing going on at ESPN. We'll discuss her canceled show, The Jump, and ESPN deciding to put out some more NBA content, different NBA content. That's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. You have gone to that in an after-school special show, (laughs) and you've gone to that in a shoe show with David Walker, the OG. You have gone back to the clerk's well for so many different references. It's quite impressive. Because here's the thing, though. Clerks clerks 1 and Clerks 2 tell you everything you need to know about the service industry and, for the most part, about life. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. You don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams will prep for their runs to the playoffs, certainly in Major League Baseball. Also, the NFL, it's gearing up. Go check out the NFL side of things at betonline.com. Uh, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Their promo code is locked on. So, the teams that were ranked ahead of the Charlotte Hornets, they come in at seven. David Aldridge put the Washington Wizards at Mm. six, you know, and I guess that's really primarily because of the trade with the LA Lakers sending Russell Westbrook to LA and in exchange getting Kuzma KCP. You also had the Kispert pick. Like those are the guys that you're looking at. So I like what Washington did just fine. They get off uh, Russell uh, Westbrook's um, contract. The Lakers come in at five coincidentally, right? (laughs) With the Lakers having traded for Westbrook. So David Aldridge, liked what uh, the Lakers did upon also signing a bunch of guys to uh, team-friendly deals. The top four include Chicago coming in at four. Uh, number three, you have the Brooklyn Nets. I really do think they had a, an excellent offseason. Yes, I did. The, the Clippers come in at two. And number one, he has the Houston Rockets. And I think primarily you got to talk about the draft for them where they got Garuba, they got Shen Goon. They also got Jalen Green, uh, Josh Christopher, if you're a fan of him. So they really did a lot of their damage in the NBA draft. Are you cool with all of those teams' placements ahead of the Charlotte Hornets? I'm not sure I really agree with the, the Wizards one because the Wizards got worse. And I understand that this was a 
they had to do something because the Beal and Westbrook experiment was probably not going to last another year. I understand that. I wouldn't have put them there. Chicago, I think, deserves to be higher. Chicago scares me from a legitimate perspective of they may be the team that doesn't that prevents the Hornets from getting in the playoffs this year. They're going to be that good, most likely. The Nets, the Nets should probably be number two. But at this point, I'm quibbling, and I'm, if I'm really honest, I'm struggling to see what the Clippers are doing on this list. I really kind of am. Yeah, the Clippers being that far up, that surprised me. You know, his his summary on this was, yes, it helps to have a gazillionaire owner who will happily go deep into the luxury tax. It helps to be in Los Angeles. It helps to have a veteran team that broke through the franchise's first ever conference finals appearance. It also helps that Jackson wanted to return to the team he thinks resurrected his career. Um, so he's just saying there's a lot of just qualifiers that come with being in L.A. and having Steve Ballmer as your owner. But the Eric Bledsoe thing, acquiring him. And uh, inquiring Reggie Jackson, not having Kawhi Leonard. I, I did love the Keon Johnson pick for them. The yeah. fact that he fell to the 20s and was selected there. I mean, I absolutely love that. You know, I guess they retained Kawhi, too. And that has to be factored in, even if you're not. Yeah, gonna see him. but here's the thing that they were going to they could always pay him the most money. Like, so that doesn't really do. But much right. But, me, y- you know, yeah, I mean, I guess if you just want to be technical about yeah. it, you know, I mean, you, you keep Kawhi where there was maybe a little scare or a little fear that he might leave. Um, but yeah, probably not all that much. I, I'm with you overall. Not a, like I'm surprised to see the Clippers that high Chicago. The DeMar DeRozan deal is, is a lot. Yeah. And I don't know how much better they got. That's why I wouldn't put them as Ooh, high. I but disagree it, there. I disagree. Um, I mean, I don't mind him at four. I think, you know, going after Lonzo, I think was awesome for them. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, making the, uh, um, sorry, get, getting Alex Caruso, I think is fine enough, you know, like he'll help defensively them for, for a little bit. So like, I, I like Chicago fine enough. I just think I would have loved what they did. Had they not given DeMar DeRozan that much money? Yeah, I would put it this way. I think they're going to be deeper. They're going to have, they have legitimately multiple combinations in which they can close the game. They have solidified themselves of, against any kind of COVID scare unless it becomes a legitimate cluster. I, I, I really like what they did. I think they're going to be dangerous. I think they're going to be really good defensively. I think they're defensively good enough to where they can now hide Vucci, which was going to be the issue. I think they're going to be – they scare me. That's a team that scares me to where I kind of – like I wish they were in the West because they're probably going to take at least one spot, one potential spot. Oh, for sure. If not, a, again, I don't want to see them in a play, in a one game plan. I'll tell you. I that mean, much. yeah. I mean, I I would I would certainly agree with you that they they should be projected to finish above the Charlotte Hornets. There's no doubt there. Uh, real quickly before we move on to Rachel Nichols, I mean, I I think the Brooklyn Nets, like I said, Patty Mills, two years, twelve million. You know, getting uh, a James Johnson is fine enough for him. Like a Cam Thomas in the first round as another scorer off of the bench. Dayron Sharp is somebody to get that late. I really like that move. So just a couple of different really shrewd moves on their part. I thought Absolutely. was uh, really excellent. Absolutely. Yeah. Like to me, to me that again, the James Johnson thing is going to be one of those where you're like, they got a dude that will throw hands. That matters when that team is mainly finesse. They have a dude that throws hands. They added Patty Mills. They got Cam Thomas in the draft, and that looks like that's going to be a steal. 
This team is dangerous, 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 dangerous. They may be end up being one of the deeper, if not the deepest team in the league, and you're going to see KD maybe play 50, 60 games. They'll, they'll play Harden 50 or 60 games. Kyrie's only got to play 40 and take mental health days, and, and they'll be fine. The only way they're really going to be judged is on the postseason, unfortunately. So, I mean, I really love what they did. I thought they should have been number one, and they're the scariest yeah, team in the I'd league. Yeah, I put them number one. That's fine. Yeah, I, I put them number one as well, just with them being able to add some depth, what they did in the draft. I really like what Brooklyn did. All right, let's move on to the Rachel Nichols thing. Just wanted to mention yeah. a couple things there. ESPN, they've, re- they've removed Rachel Nichols from NBA coverage, and they've canceled her show, The Jump. The network confirmed Thursday. This comes just a few months after Nichols made those remarks that became public, suggesting that Maria Taylor was promoted because she is black and that she wasn't here for the diversity if it meant taking food off of her plate. You know, so that's what we got. The recorded conversation that she did not know was going to be public. But this thing was hidden by ESPN for about a year before it was then made available to the public. And look, I know Dan Lemitard kind of talked about the privacy and that certainly is foul, right? The fact that that actually made it to the public. I also lose my sympathy when this is your true feelings like th- this is the tough that's all th- this is the part that's always made me you know it- it's made it hard for me to focus on the privacy aspect of it even though i know it's at play mm-hmm. it's because we do get your true unfiltered thoughts on maria taylor getting this job and maria taylor is just flat out awesome yeah i mean it what you do is you reduce her promotion and her sheer talent to only getting that opportunity because she's black. And that's just such a stupid and date, like not even dated because it was never true for any black person that was finally given an opportunity over a white person. And here's Rachel Nichols, unfiltered thoughts Mm -hmm. behind closed doors saying, hey, you can do this whole diversity thing if you want to, but when you take my job away, you know, like we're not going to do that here. And man, it was an awful, awful look. Look again, like the privacy thing, it's at play. It deserves to be talked about. I just have a hard time focusing on it myself. I put that secondary compared to what the unfiltered thoughts were from Rachel Nichols. I will put it this way. Are there privacy concerns? Yeah, there are. Were there procedure, procedural misconduct? Yeah, because this tape was buried for a year, but it was an open secret within the company. The fact that it was an open secret, the fact that people knew about it for a year, and I would argue a lot of the... Because when you got... The, the thing that I want people to understand about this is, as someone that's been in that building before and been in the system, that is a cutthroat, that is a cutthroat place that mm-hmm. I basically would rival any sort of bad neighborhood people are cutthroat and they will find any reason to bury you and the fact that for whatever reason due to her political connections due to her affiliations due to the fact that diane sawyer is her mother-in-law that did not happen i completely understand but because of all that i understand that this where the jump has to go is the only logical conclusion to any of this. And unfortunately, this was always going to happen. They could not keep Rachel Nichols there and keep the show there. And the only thing I would point out to, to you, this and Walker, is when they said, we're going to have more of an NFL live show, I could not laugh any harder. Because <laughs> I, it was like, 
Y'all really don't watch NFL Live like that. I understand that you have Mina Kimes. I understand that you do stuff with Dan Orlovsky. But I think that people misunderstand that folks don't necessarily want because sports are a delicacy and that's something that this day job has taught me at this point it's a delicacy it's not necessarily one of those situations where you're looking for hard-hitting things and 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 i get that and that's why some of y'all get so mad at me when i talk about race but i also know that ain't nobody gonna want frosted again basically what people want is frosted mini wheats it's still wheat it's still sugar but there's still got to be some sort of entertainment value. And people always talk about, why don't we talk, bring more film, the set and the third. The NBA has tried that. They had a film study for the finals on NBA TV. Granted, it was YouTube TV first. But they had, they had these things. They offered all this programming. None of y'all really watched it enough to sustain it. The idea that people are going to watch film study intentionally is of concept that only lives on the lives breathes and sustains itself on the internet it's why we're good at what we do because we know we can take this and keep it on the internet we take it out we take it out loud loud on the on the road may not work as well we're self i'm self-aware like that but i also know that people actually like the jump in inside the nba for their slapstick comedy because they understand that it's sports and at the end of the day that's all anybody really wants out of us and, and i don't even know how different nfl live is from the jump to be exactly. honest with you because yet we can talk about film study and for sure that's there more so with nfl live because it's not like hendrick perkins is breaking the the game down at an extremely high level but you know nfl nfl live it, it's i guess more focused on different people coming in and providing their analysis. And it's certainly smarter, right? Like NFL live. If you just talk about the X's and O's aspect of breaking down film and just breaking down thoughts and ideas, Mina Kimes, a genius, Marcus Spears gives you both good football mind as well as being hilarious. Love me some Marcus Spears. You also have a Dan Orlovsky who is the quarterback, you know, like whatever breaking down film. And I, and I get you have some of that, but it's not like it was all that crazy different. I, I, I'm not sure what the big difference is, what, what the NFL lifestyle means. And so I'll be interesting to see, or interested to see what happens there. Um, you know, b- between, you know, the NFL live and whatever this new NBA show it's, is going it's, it's, to be. It's going to be the same thing. And people are going to still complain and they're going to build it around Stephen A. Smith. We all see this coming. Like people <laughs> that that's true. Like, it's, and the other thing, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Like it's just people are going to complain, but it's like the one thing I want people to understand is that none of these decisions are ever made in a vacuum. A lot of these decisions are made off of metrics time spent listening a lot of this is off of quantifiable data so the reason that you see the same t- seven topics talked o- talked about over and over again is because they know people spend a lot of time watching and listening please understand that if you if folks wanted something different the metrics would have shown it by now Absolutely. And then real quickly, you know, I I don't know what the NFL live ratings are. I'm sure they're fine. But also you have to take into mind that there is going to be a skew when you're just dealing with the NFL compared to the NBA anyway. You know, like football is a culture. Basketball is going to come secondarily to football. And that's just what it is. Like I, I this is coming from someone that loves the NBA, but it's not the NFL. 
It's just not. Basketball is not the sport that football is just as far as a national popularity concern is. And like, and I just wonder if they're, look, they've got smart people there, right? I'm, I'm not breaking any news. I just wonder if they're taking enough consideration into that aspect of, hey, d- does this translate to an NBA style format as well? And I just don't know that it does. It probably doesn't. Um, it probably doesn't. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Yep. <laughs> okay. That sounds good. Not as ready to go. Damn it. We're going to go home. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets on the Locked On Podcast Network. We always appreciate your support. Also, thanks to Sweat Block. Also, thanks to Built Bar. Plenty of people we want to thank on this podcast, including you. Tell your smart device, play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA or any show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great weekend. We'll be back with you on Tuesday to give you more Hornets content. Ooh.